Hi, I'm Harry Cigar. Welcome to Scotch in the Balcony podcast. Balcony episode number three, where my ramble includes being lost, small is better, one bad movie I love, two great documentaries, and I start my new death penalty suggestions. Now, if you want to know what a grumpy old man thinks about stuff, please get in contact on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. Or email me at harrycigar at outlook.com. Our Boston Legal episodes will start back next week. So stay safe and hope you enjoy. Hello all. Today is June the 9th, 2020. Strange times, definitely. Then again, weren't our times strange? When you compare them to others and, and so on and so forth. We're definitely living in in the Western world anyway, in very weird times. Mira, I look at stuff and I really can't figure out what the fuck is going on. I can't. It's weird. I, I was reminded today of a quote from The Good Life, the TV show, back in the 70s. Margot, played by the great Penelope Keith, was in querying her, her council tax, I think it was. And she's questioning him and said, no, well, you're not necessarily this, you're not getting this. And, and and the guy behind the counter says, well, just who do you think you are? She goes, I am the silent majority. I love that line. I really do. But I don't think the silent majority in, in society are speaking up. However, I think those that we see shouting and roaring in opposition to everything nearly sometimes. That's how it feels. Very easy to be in the opposition and point, point out what's wrong. But they think they're the silent majority. They think they're speaking for us. Don't think they are. You know, we do have the coronavirus. The lockdown is 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 loosening. It's coming to an end. And yet, there's thousands thousands of people out marching. But I can't figure out what they want. You know. I don't. Not not in this country. Not not in England. I don't. I don't understand. So, you know, I'll keep trying to figure it out. Maybe somebody can tell me exactly what they want. Because here's the thing: we're talking about strange times, and you know, and strange times years ago being being slightly different. I was born in the seventies, as was my wife. Now, the seventies wasn't that long ago. Really, wasn't. People think it was an. an an era ago or a, whatever an age it wasn't I was watching the Hollywood um, reporter round table the other day um, the actors were on it and Saoirse Ronan was on it that's why I watched it it was, it was very good but it popped up you know that in 1974 there was an act passed in America which allowed women to get credit on their own taking it that's meant without a husband or without a father or some so yeah all times are strange I kind of thought about that. Now, the 70s in Ireland were weird, were just as strange. For example, in the 70s in Ireland, if a woman who had a job in the civil service got married, she had to quit her job. She couldn't serve on jury duty until there was an act passed in 76. Up until 1976, a woman could not serve on jury duty because, well, the law said that to be on jury duty, you had to be able to own property well a woman couldn't own property on her own up until then there was an act passed in 1976 which allowed a woman to own a house outright on her own 
1976. Like that's, that's only 44 years ago. Most pubs in Ireland, woman wasn't allowed in. And if they did, they weren't allowed to drink pints from what I've read. So, strange times. Yet, it's only 40 years ago. Another thing which happened, I think, in 74 as well, I'm not sure. Up, up until, we've, we've a great thing in this country where parents of children get children's allowance. Indiscriminately. Doesn't matter. If you've no money or if you're a multi-millionaire, the children's allowance is there. Now, there's some that go on, that's not right. Well, here's the thing. If you're a multi-millionaire and you're giving out about it, you don't actually have to take it. But it's there for everybody. Up until 1974, remember, this is woman had a job, civil service had to leave. But still, up until 1974, the woman, the mother, couldn't take the money. The man got it. Also, and I do remember two stories in the 90s, but I know, again, back around this time, married woman could not refuse to have sex with her husband. Consent or no consent. So, strange times, but yet only 40 years ago. A lot of things have changed. And we're going to continue to change. We have to continue to find solutions to problems. But this is what I don't get. I don't understand what some people are asking for. They keep pointing out the problems, but I don't, I can't see a solution. The solution to those things are very simple. You just put a law in place. It's not hard to say, put in a law that says women can be on jury duty. It's not hard to change these things. But some of these other things are hard to change. So it's, let's, let's set strange times and to be honest I, I, I've taken as I've said before I've taken Twitter off my phone and I go on every now and again so I was on it today for a half an hour it didn't take long to spiral had to you know had to shut it off quick but if I was just to go by what's on Twitter it would appear America is the worst place in the world and it would appear we're kind of following a suit but that's not, that's not the reality. Is there problems? Yes, there are problems. But, like I said, I think the silent majority, we now have to, I think the silent majority, we have to say, hold on a second. You're wrong. Yes, we have problems, but we need solutions and we need to work on these things. And yes, there are definite problems in, in America. How do we solve them? Well, it's going to be interesting anyway. Interesting times, maybe. Again, what isn't? When isn't? So, Al isn't with us today. He's back in London, prepping for his new job, so he couldn't make it this weekend. Or, today is today's Tuesday. So, lockdown is easing here. And again, like I said, you wouldn't think there was an epidemic out there. <laughs> but, like I said, lockdown's over. Hopefully, we'll be able to get the economy back up and running. Shops opened yesterday. All I heard about yesterday was is Penny's opening. For those of you who don't know, Penny's is a clothes shop. An Irish institution, institution, some would say. I know we've got the economy going again. How many people back out working and having all that comes with that. But here's the funny bit, or funny ha-ha. 
Most of us have probably used this time to declutter. I know we have. The last couple of days alone, two boxes of books, two bags of toys, two bags of my own clothes to go with the four bags I threw out just before this all started. My wife got rid of three bags of clothes and one bag of shoes. I also have enough of the side of the house again to nearly time to order a skip bag. Clothes went to the clothes bin, ties were taken by my stepmom and I know I've gone to a good home. So everyone has been decluttering their house, which has proven to help decluttering of the mind and so on and so forth. I know it definitely has here and I know definitely helps with um, mental stresses and stuff. But all anybody wants to know, when is pennies opening? More cheap clothes they don't need to fill up that space they've decluttered and it'll end up in the bin anyway. Ikea, I think the first group of people start queuing in Ikea Monday morning at half five. Again, I don't get it. But again, a couple of years ago, that probably would have been me. My wife also told me yes, uh, yesterday, because we were talking about and having a bit of a laugh, and even she said, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. She noticed that during this lockdown, because three months now when we're starting, we're starting to get back out a little bit. She's not only buying less stuff, but she's noticed what she has bought. You know, she's needed, she's put time into it. They're big things. And they're things she's really wanted and things that won't be thrown out. So, i.e., what I mean, no impulse buying. So there's no crap that is going to end up in a bin in a few months just to be replaced by basically the same shit in another couple of months. It's just adding to the rubbish heap. You know, and there's the environmental aspect and we need to stop. Basically, I think we just need to stop buying crap. I think that's the first step from an environmental point of view to saving the earth, let's say. Is if we can just stop buying crap, take a breath, but there's the economy and we need to get out there and we need to share the money as such by, by spending. So we need to, you know, we need to get out and spend. But I think what we've done is we've kind of lowered the bar for our expectations nearly of people's skills and, and, and services and products. And you do that. If you keep paying less and less, the product's going to get. Now, there are exceptions, but that's just my general. General, that's just how I feel. And it's kind of like when there's when there's full employment. Because you need to be pushed. Employees need to be pushed. And I think when you've got full employment, which we kind of had here up until lockdown in a, in a lot of industries, gives the employee the wrong type of power. Now, an employee and an employer, there should be an agreement and there should be a bit of power on each so one doesn't abuse the other. But if they have too much of the wrong power, that's where, you know, it goes toxic. And both employers and employees get taken advantage of. Did a job for an engineering company earlier this year and we were talking about his drivers. Now I noticed his fleet of vans, which were only a year old, they were a bit banged up. And he told me it was the on the road, it was his on the road engineers. They just didn't give a shit. He'd one driver who hit a bloody cyclist and didn't even tell anyone. They only found out weeks later when the cyclist solicitor got in contact. I was consulting and I was giving him advice when we were going through it. And he says that the problem is he can't get rid. He can't get rid of them because there's no one to replace them. He needs them to do the work. He says some of them aren't even that great, and especially for the money that they're being paid. But he says just the workforce isn't there because everybody's in a job. 
and that's what I mean like if, if there's no push if there's no fear because as human beings most of us not all of us but most of us will take the easy route we'll be lazy if we if we can get away with it and I also remember speaking to another company this one this one honest the manager was pissing himself laughing because it was so stupid and again he the driver kept getting speeding tickets on his way into work and he says look what's the story come here you're getting the speeding tickets and you expect us to pay him he says yeah you, and you will he says you will pay for them he says you have a choice you either pay the tickets or i'm going to be late for work but the manager was in it was in again was in a situation that because they were in full full employment they couldn't get somebody and he was a skilled electrician they felt they couldn't get rid of him so what did they do they paid his tickets however there's a recession coming so i think times are going to change again and maybe the expectation of of people for what they get for what they give which can be ridiculous can be hopefully re-looked at and we can all work together and maybe not though it's not you you know it's human nature not to but we'll see what happens and by the way you can also make the argument that, you know against those in upper management who get paid way too much for what those and the frac the factory floors they might call it make and i agree with that too but depends devil's in the detail I heard another stat this week or last week don't know if it's true but it was interesting it's one of those stats of coincidental stats so i'm sure they're rounded to line up so they were saying 40 years ago in america 18 percent of income was spent on food while eight percent was spent on healthcare. And now it's the way around. You know, we, we again we've a, we need we've an opportunity here. Like healthy food should be the norm and the other crap should be the expensive one. And I say this as someone has a few stone to lose. Be nice about that. And another figure I, I heard from a farmer and he was talking about his his mints. And he says, if you come and you get a mince burger, for example, from his, you know, it'll come from the one cow. But there was a test done on, on a cheap process one. And it was nearly 600 different DNA, you know, 600 different animals in that. Now, I think that seems a bit high. However, I think I, we get the idea of what he's saying. Like, there has to be another way, a better way, a more sustainable way. Now, I've always thought the plan should be towards smaller think to Jerry Maguire you know the mission mission statement from the start which I read may have been influenced by a similar letter written decades ago by a Walt Disney exec who wanted them to concentrate on telling stories like they used to and move away from the movie star spectacles that they were making at the time you can have your own opinion about whether that's changed or not I just think we need to think smarter make us wrestle less reliant on big companies and big processes and we need you know com for communities to be more sustainable i did hear something about amazon the other day now don't worry amazon i won't be canceling my audible account anytime soon but these are the discussions that need to be had and not just turn it oh they're too big you need to get rid of them okay that's if that's the case okay well, what do we do next you're going to shut down the big food processing procedures okay that's fair enough 
then what do we do? We do that on a, on a Sunday. Okay, let's do that on a Sunday. Well, where does the food come on a Monday? I, you know, and all these great ideas, it always reminds me of the, which, and, and I do refer to it a lot when I'm speaking to people, the, the bell on the cat. You know the old story? So, in the house, cat keeps eating all the mice. The mice say, have a meeting, what are we going to do? One comes up, why don't we put a bell on the cat? So every time we can, every time he's coming, we'll hear him and he'll never get us. And they went, that's a great idea. So they have, this, you know, all celebrating and having a big party and stuff. And it's great. So they wake up the next morning and it's like, okay, who's going to put the bell on the cat? So having these great ideas, they're great. We need them. We need to discuss them, but we need to see how are these things implemented. Now, for me, the thing I've always gone towards was paper trail. I think that's something that's gone missing from life. Now, and I do think this is the number one thing that if we could do a simple thing in change society because a paper trail brings responsibility and accountability. The right paper trail and regulation does anyway. Less loopholes, less hiding. It is what it is as such. Like I'm in the I'm in the motor industry and the insurance claims industry. And yet I I've never heard of any country that has a proper vehicle cradle to grave history system. And it's not hard to implement something like this. It's not. Just have to have the balls. I've tried a bit in the past, even got to speak to some in government, but there was no takers. And those that I spoke to in the industry, you know, basically told me where to go. And it's due to fear and accountability and change and mistrust. You know, no one wants to lose what they have, even though in the motor industry anyway, they're losing it, a lot of them. And also, you know, a lot of the times they think they have something which is implemented. Because people go to me, oh, you can get a, you know, you can get a vehicle history done, report done on any vehicle in this country. No, you can't. You know, and it's the same with other things. You think what you have is what you have, but it's not. Scratch beyond the surface a little bit. And you realise it's another case of Emperor's New Clothes. And the idea of, you know, of accountability for one's own decisions scares the crap out of people. And it should scare them. That's why we need to, you know, to work out and discuss the correct regulation that's brought in. But also there's a lot of people who know that they're in positions they shouldn't be in. They're not capable. They're not good enough to be making these decisions. And then there's those who are making decisions they know are wrong. We see this all the time. But like I said, if it was me, bring back the paper trail. But then again, I am a small group. Definitely not the silent majority there. But. So, before, I usually every time I give my recommendation for a movie to see, because as you all know, I hate these, a lot of these lists are up. But this isn't one that I would recommend that I'm going to talk about first. But, it, but what it is about is the difference about how people see movies. And I think at times you just need to take a break from the world and go into a world of utter stupidity. My recommendation for that movie, one way or the other, is a movie called Simply Irresistible, made in 1999, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Sean Patrick Flannery. Basically, here's the line. A magical crab works wonders for a terrible chef's culinary skills, leading her towards the man of her dreams. Trust me, it's as bad as it sounds. Now, my wife does not like this type of movie. 
but she caught uh, she walked in the other day and i just turned it on and so she caught a few minutes of it so she's coming watch it the weekend so we did and i had seen it before by the way so that's how i know it's not her type of movie but she was stressed over a friend of hers so i thought maybe it was a good idea just to give her a break like i said from the universe into something it is what it is now to give you an idea of where this movie might lie here are a few things on imdb movie got a 5.3 basically right in the middle this is not a 5 out of 10 movie can't really say that about any movie because it's all about individual choice and so between my wife and i uh, one of us gave it an eight and the other a two person who gave it a two was being nice so that's basically technically average of five so i went on and i read some of the the reviews on imdb and they were sort of like mine and what my, myself and my wife said either got marks of nine or ten or one and two everything from how did this mess even get made and that it lowered my brain cell count to a deliciously magical romantic comedy my favorite one and i 100 percent agree was from somebody who gave out a 10 out of 10 and this is what he said honestly i think this is an awful movie but i can't help but love it couldn't agree more it is it's so awful but yes like i said I love it. It's cheesy. Yes. Unrealistic. Yes. Yes. So fucking yes. When I finish, my wife says to me, I can't believe you made me watch this movie. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. And I I said, really? She was was smiling and and laughing. Yes. You going to watch it again, though? (laughs) She she wouldn't even look me in the eye when she was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, I will. So, give it a try, is all I'd say. It's stupid, it's light, it's fun. Um, And if you're waiting for it to get less stupid as it goes on, it doesn't. The the ending is, yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, it's an awful movie, but I can't help but love it. And it is trying to be charming, So, which I think it is. So, watch it. You never know. Now... My movies to watch, because there's two of them, and they're related and connected. There are two documentaries. One is on Netflix, I think one is on Disney, I think. And I'd recommend you watch them in, in this order as well. So the first one is a film called, documentary called The Dawn Wall, made there in 2017. It's about Tommy Caldwell, who attempts to scale what was deemed the impossible 3,000 foot Dawn Wall of El Capitan. In California. His climbing partner Kevin Jorgensen, I think I don't know, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'd never done anything like this before. He was a he was a top class free climber. But this was like way out of his comfort zone. Like he says like he'd never done anything close to this. Like there are many different paths up El Capitan, but this one was the hardest and had never been done before. Tommy Caldwell, he'd climbed all you know loads of the other paths. So knew El Capitan well Kevin didn't never climbed any of them so and it's just a great it's a great story I can't recommend this more Tommy it's had a few things in life shit to get over he was kidnapped at 22 by rebels in Karakstan or somewhere over there Um, he had to push one off a cliff just to escape 
then he lost his index finger. And they said, so you lose your index finger, basically shouldn't be able to climb ship. Guess what? <laughs> and then he got divorced. So kind of goes through all that. And then at the time, he just had to do it. Spent years going over the route himself and then himself and Kevin uh, practicing it and but kept failing and but just kept that dream alive. So then they go do it. 19 days, I think they spent on the wall. Again, climbing what many call the hardest route ever climbed. And it's a, it's a great story. It's so... I get emotional with these things, but I, and you do. And again, the story isn't, you know, them climbing it isn't straightforward. It kind of blew me away. The, the perseverance, the denial at times, the stubbornness of a near obsessive level, and, and then obviously talent and, and, and just drive. 19 days, like, they sleep in a tent, you know, that's no bigger than your normal family car, attached to the side of the cliff. Like one of the nights there was a storm and it's the tents are all shaking. Fair dues, no problem. But when I was watching it a good few weeks ago, you know, it was during lockdown. Everyone's complaining of lockdown and oh I can't get out and I'm stuck here in this I'm stuck in this house. <laughs> these two guys are stuck with just the two of them in these two tents for nineteen days. So yeah, I'm at home, my wife and kids, yeah, not a, not a problem. But it was just, it was amazing. I watched this, I was, I mean, you cannot help but be inspired. I felt good. And then I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, what have, what have you done? You've done nothing. You're in your mid-40s, nothing. Except get feared to go watching this documentary. There were a few moments can't recommend this more and this rec this leads on to the second one and this one i think you should watch second because i know nothing about climbing nothing but i learned enough from the dawn wall to make what realize just what this guy did like this is bad shit crazy shit i was emotionally drained i really was Come here, I was exhausted just from watching it. So, just goes to show what a lazy git I am. This one's Free Solo, made in 2018. Actually, a friend of Tommy Caldwell's, a guy called Alex Honald. As he attempts to become the first free solo climber of El Capitan. Now, Free Solo is no rope, no nothing. No safety net. 3,000 plus feet up one of the hardest cliff wall in the world. Some say the hardest. Now, obviously, he didn't do the same route as his friend Tommy Caldwell did. Didn't go up the Don Wall, obviously. So he picked the easiest one. Now, that might sound a bit... I picked the easiest one. Now, that's why go watch the Don Wall and you'll realise that the easiest one is still the hard, you know, one of the hardest climbs still. But like I said, this is batshit crazy. No rope, no nothing, no safety net, just him. There was a quote in it, because I wrote it down here, describing 
what his feat is or what he has to do. Um, and he said, imagine an Olympic gold medal level athletic achievement that if you don't get that gold medal, you're going to die. That's pretty much what free soloing El Cap is like. It, it won an, an Oscar, by the way. But this it's, it's amazing. I mean, you see this guy, he's just going up 100 foot, 200 foot of, of a cliffside, you know, like I mess on a rock at the beach. It's nearly like he's jogging at times. It's amazing. You know, this guy, is, he's just obsessive, you could say, but he's driven. But as he says in the, in the film, I think this is the thing he loves doing more than anything else. I think his mother says this is the thing that makes him the most alive. So watch this one second, because the first one will give you an idea of just what an achievement this was. Seriously, I became so invested and emotional during this. I'm not going to, there was tears in my eyes at the end. Like there was a bit when I stood up a few times, actually, <laughs> shouting at the television or just head in my, you know, head in my hands. But there was one, which I, I, I was shouting, what the fuck? So the morning, I can't remember whether it was the morning or one of the mornings, his, his girlfriend told him that she had a dream the night before where he fell and died. And I'm going, what? Are you doing? But in hindsight, looking back, it's kind of actually funny, and I kind of understand a little bit. You know, I think if you were in her shoes at the time, I understand. You know why she did it. But like I said, watch this film; it'll blow you. It should blow you away. It's amazing. But here's the thing: these two movies, why they need to be watched, because something has been forgotten. I think, and apart from them being amazing, it's this common thing. That we see in people who do who do great shit. They don't have easy lives. They had to overcome something. No one did it for them. They did it for themselves. Like Tommy losing his finger should should have been game over. Alex's mom, I think, used to tell him basically whatever he did was not good enough, so we would drive him on until he could do better. Well, this drove him on, and he says this in the film. And this was the line that really stuck in my head says it to his girlfriend and it's stuck in me since I've seen it and he says happy people don't do great things I think that's there's a lot in that happy people don't do great things and it's true yeah so even thinking about it it's I'm actually going to go watch it tonight. So, before I go, we're going to do a thing. Myself and Al. Bit of a laugh. Half, sort of. New debt penalty loss. <laughs> so, I'm starting off. People who try and turn their pets vegan. No. Listen. Just no. And then they post shit saying how happy their dog or cat is. Most of the shit I've seen... I've never seen a more sad or depressed pet. Especially and like especially with the cats. I'm not a cat person. Like cats are little lions. They eat things. They eat the vegan food. <laughs> Look, I think these people are idiots. The majority also seem to be both either depressed and are in denial. And by a few exceptions, they seem tired. And well the ones I've met anyway. I always tell them to just, just need a good ribeye. 
sorry, but you know, and it's a, there's an easy solution here. And again, it's back to the paper trail. If you want to change a pet's diet from meat to vegan, you should have to go get professional help. I'm sure you have a fucking vet. Go and ask your vet. They will put her in writing. Here's what you do. And then, if something happens, you can go back to the vet and say, look, you said it was okay. Trust me, the vet's not going to say it's okay. And again, in writing, it's not hard. Now, I think if we see a photo of your pet looking starved and sad, and you don't have a letter, don't pass go, do not collect shit, go straight to jail, where you'll be fed a red meat diet. Now, this is not sort less, but I still think maybe a few lashes for every photo they put up online of people who dress up their pets. Double the lashes for it straight, for the same clothes. Two pets in the same clothes. You see where I'm going. I quickly, just one, another one. These people should, maybe, sh I don't know. Lashes, I don't know. Read a story a while back. Guy was late. Train station. Guy was late for a train. Couldn't f couldn't find the entrance now. He he couldn't find the entrance. So he says, I'm going to jump over these two fences. While he was jumping over the two fences, he caught his finger in the fence and then he pulled it off or pulled off most of it. Of course, we live in a world. It couldn't be his fault. So he sued. And he won. Now let's just, let's sink. Let that sink in. That this is the world we're now living in. Yeah, strange times, all right. Well, time's up for me. Hope you enjoyed my ramblings. Um, get in contact. Let me know if there's anything you wanna, you want me to ramble about. But details are, you'll find me. Um, and so, good night and stay safe. <laughs>